0: This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. What's up, Coastal? How's everybody doing this morning? Man, you guys are rowdy. What's up with that, man? I am so excited to be here. Uh, I, I love your pastor. I know your pastor and his wife, Shayla. Uh, They were in our church for, uh, I guess, about seven years before they came here and uh, started Coastal. I pastored a church in Sarasota, Bradenton. Anybody know where that is? Come on. Yeah. All right. And so uh, I made a long commute over here uh, yesterday. And uh, so it's good to be here. But I know Pastor TJ and Shayla, like I said, they were involved in our church for about seven years. And uh, were pastors at our church as well. And they felt the call of God to come here and to start Coastal. I guess it's been four years now. And, uh, and so God has done amazing things through them and in this church, and so you guys are really, really blessed. Let me just tell you, I know TJ and Shayla, not when they're just kind of here being your pastor, right? But I know them behind the scenes, and I know how they are when they're, they're not necessarily even here in this community, but they still love you guys. They are so passionate for this community. God put a burden on them to come here and to make a difference here in South Florida. And so uh, you guys are really blessed. I'm on the board of an organization called the ARC, uh, A-R-C. It stands for Association of Related Churches. We've planted over 350 churches over the last 13 years in America. Come on, let's give God a hand clap for that. And these churches have been some of the fastest growing, most influential churches in America. And uh, there's about 350,000 churches in America, and, uh, and and these churches that we planted, they truly are, they're the fastest growing, most influential churches all across America. So I say all that to let you know that I know church pretty well, right? And uh, I'm, I'm the professional Christian here today, all right? So I know how this stuff works, right? And, and the reason why I let you all know all of that is because... I know your pastors, and I know this church because I've been here. This is my third time now over the last four years to be here with you guys. And I know Healthy Church, and you guys are really, really blessed. The church is not about a building. It's not about that, but it's about the heart and vision of the pastors. And TJ and Shayla love you guys, and they're amazing people. I think we ought to give it up for your pastors. Come on, one more time. Let's give it up for those guys. And uh, by the way, I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but October's actually Pastor Appreciation Month. Anybody even know that? Okay. So uh, as a pastor, let me just tell you how much it means to us when we get a note of encouragement, an email, or something from you guys. Uh, we're, We're just like everybody else. We're insecure. Okay. All right. And so we like it when people like us. All right, and so when, when you guys send notes of encouragement, now we get notes of like, that was the worst sermon ever. What were you talking about? Okay, we get those, but we throw those away, all right? But the ones that we get that tell us, you know, thank you, my life has is, is changed, I'm, I'm my family, my walk with God, whatever, we save those. I've, I've been pastoring Bayside now for 11 years. I have every email, every note that I've ever received because on days where I feel like, Randy, you are terrible, You should quit. I go read those, and it gives me encouragement. So this is Pastor Appreciation Month. Would you show your pastor that you appreciate him? Write him a note. Send him an email. Buy him a gift card. Send him out to dinner with his wife or something like that. I'm telling you, Amy and I, when we we go out and we've received a a gift card or a note of encouragement, it just means so much to us, and we're so thankful for that. I'm telling you all, it means a lot. I encourage you to do that, all right? It'll mean a whole lot to them. And it's a way for you during this month of October to show, you, show them how much you appreciate them. Let me, let me make sure you guys know who the most beautiful woman on the planet, ever, who ever sucked air off the planet and ever will suck air off the planet. Okay, let me introduce you to that lady. It's my wife, Amy. Come on, Amy, stand up right here. Let's give it up for my wife. She really is uh, an amazing person. Uh, through and through, she's fine on the outside, she's beautiful on the inside, and uh, she's an amazing mom, we've been married now for 20 years, we just celebrated that in June, and so uh, it's been an amazing journey, and I am what I am today because I have an amazing wife to do this with, and so I wanted to make sure you guys got to meet her. All right, so are you guys ready for the word today? Come on, you ready for God's word today? All right, so if you have your cell phone, come on, take out your cell phone, that's right, in church, come on, take it out. If you left it in the car, you are the holiest person, right? <laughs> All right. So by the way, did you guys know that you can you have a worship guide when you came in? There's notes, but you also can download a, an app on your smartphone if you have a smartphone. Uh, and you can download a, an app called YouVersion, which is basically a Bible app, so you can read your Bible there and things. There's also a tab there you can go to live events, and your notes for this service right here every week are on there, so you can follow along right on your phone. So then you can text while you're in service and nobody knows because they think you're actually using the, the app. Okay, so, all right, so everybody has a cell phone, right? You Maybe you didn't bring it in here because you're holy or whatever, right? But uh, how many of you guys uh, have, have uh, ever gotten a uh, or got received a phone call, maybe not even on your cell phone, but you just received a call before that forever changed your life? Come on, think about some phone calls, some information that you got before that, forever changed your life maybe the first time you guys were going to have a child and you you got that phone call or whatever hey I'm pregnant we're going to have a child you know how many of you know that'll change your life right there forever right maybe you've gotten some other phone calls before that have changed your life hey I got that promotion we're moving to South Florida we got approved for that loan we're we're finally going to get to buy that house or I got accepted into that college and so I'm, I'm going to be going to school there. I'm going to finish my degree or get my degree. Think about those phone calls that you've gotten before that have radically changed your life before. Have any of you guys ever called the wrong number before? Uh-huh, I called the wrong number. I was calling somebody and I dialed the wrong number and uh, they weren't in my contact. So I, I didn't it's like I could just pull up their contact and call them and and I, but I thought I had the right number, and I didn't, and I called. I left the message, and uh, lo and behold, like an hour later, I got a text from that number, and this person was saying, hey, you left the message from the wrong number. This is not who you think it is. How many of y'all know that's nice? I mean, people give, call me. Anybody ever called you before? is wrong number? Did you text them back and go, hey, wrong number? This guy's nice. I saved his contact information. If I'm having a bad day, I'm going to call him because he's obviously a really good guy, right? How about a butt call? You ever received a butt call before? How many of you guys, when you get a butt call, you eavesdrop? (laughs) I definitely have. One of our pastors called me the day, a butt call, and I was eavesdropping. I was listening. You feel guilty, you know? But not guilty enough, and you keep listening? That's what I was doing. I ended up hanging up. I wasn't getting anything juicy, so I just hung up. (laughs) I want to submit to you today that All of us have received a call from God before. I don't necessarily mean on your cell phone. If you have, we'll pray for you after service here today. I don't mean that you've physically received a call from God before, but God has communicated to you before in some way, in something in life before. And it has forever changed the course and the direction of your life. You know, to go and to to do something, to start start a business. You were praying, man, I don't know what, should I do this, should I not? And, And you felt God telling you to do that, and you did it. That was a call from God, some communication from God that forever it changed your life. maybe you felt that this was a person for you and you you got in relationship with someone or even married someone and and that was all because you felt like that was God giving you the information God called you to do that, maybe to adopt a child to become a foster parent, maybe you prayed about it and you're like, oh, this is what we're supposed to do and and you got a call from God to to do something or to start a ministry or something of that nature, to perhaps to get involved in this church, whatever, you have received a call from God before in your life. And, and that has forever changed the course and direction of your life. And I would submit to you today that that is even a very common thing because your first note or scripture in your notes there in Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, it will also be on the screen behind me. It says there that God's gifts and his, everybody say that word with me, his call. That's not everybody. Do you know. All right. The way it works on the west coast of Florida, I may not work like that here, but in order for you to say something, your mouth actually has to be moving, okay? We learned that over there in Sarasota, okay? So everybody say the word call. call. See how it works? It's amazing. When your mouth moves, stuff comes out, all right? God's gift and His, say it again Call. Calls. Circle that in your notes if you got a worship guide when you were walking in here. They are irrevocable. That word call, it actually is the Greek word, and the word is klesis, which means a divine invitation. All right? I'm I'm trying to get you to understand something today, that you have a divine invitation, a klesis from God. He's called you before, and he says he wants to do some things in your life. Perhaps you felt like, God, I know you want to provide for me financially in this area. You're going to help us get through this. That was a call, a klesis from God. A marriage, a relationship that you're to have a child or to that business or whatever it is that you did. That was all from God and God's gift and His call, His direction for your life. It is irrevocable. Circle that word in your notes as well. It means it's not voided, it means it's never revoked, it's never pulled away. But so many times we do bad things in life. Anybody made a bad decision in life before? Come on, even a little one. Like kind of, you're not even sure if it was really a total bad decision, but it was like a little one. Most of you guys. How many of you are actually sitting next to a really bad decision you made one day in your life? No, (laughs) don't raise your hand on that one. Okay, that would be a a bad thing. Because when you do that, then they elbow you in the ribs and you get a sore rib. So don't do that, all right? We make bad decisions, right? We do things we shouldn't have done, and we oftentimes think that our calling is void. I submit to you that your calling is not void, that the things that God has spoken to you before over your life, that he wants to accomplish those things in your life, and they are not voided. All right, so let me tell you oftentimes why most people think that their calling is void in life. Look in your notes. Let's get to the first blank. The first reason why we oftentimes would think, well, you know, what God said to me, what he spoke to me, or what I felt God wanted to do in my life, he's not going to do that because we have a wrong view of ourselves. I have a wrong view of myself. See, we think, we, we see ourselves and we see our limitations. Come on, isn't that right? We see our weaknesses. We we look in the mirror and we know who we are. We're disappointed. We, we oftentimes can see other people and their potential, right? And why do we discredit ourselves so easily? Isn't that true? Somebody else could be going through the same thing you're going through and you could go, you know what, you're going to make it through this. You're going to be okay, right? And we look at ourselves and we go, oh man, you know, I'm an idiot. You know, I can't believe I did this again, You know, I'm never going to live that purpose and that plan, that calling that God has for me. It's never going to happen. And we look at ourselves, and we just kind of discredit ourselves. And we think, I'm never going to reach my potential. Let me just tell you, I am originally from Louisiana. I know I hide it with a Boston accent. You guys, all right. But I am originally from Louisiana. I was born and raised there. Uh, Amy and I, my wife and I moved to Florida, and we started Bayside Community Church In September of 2002, Uh, but I am originally from Louisiana. Come on, I'm a Cajun. Anybody ever met a Cajun before? Anybody ever had Cajun food before? Come on, crawfish. Anybody has some stuff out of ditches in here? Come on, it's good stuff, right? It's crawfish. If you haven't yet before, you're missing it. Come on, God wants to bless you with some crawfish. I'm from Louisiana, man. I mean, that's the bottom of the barrel. Come on, somebody, right? I mean, when God uses somebody from Louisiana, it's like there's nobody else around. He's like, oh, who am I going to use? There's nobody around. Okay, Cajun. All right, we'll use you, you know. Listen, I, and, and, and I'm from Louisiana, and, and I'm a Cajun, and, and I'm not even a smart Cajun. That's why they kicked me out of Louisiana. I was, I was bringing down the lowest common denominator too much. so They said, you gots to go, all right? I mean, I, I, nowadays, I wouldn't even make it to college, I only had to make a 21 on my ACT back in the day to go to LSU, right? I had to take it twice to get a 21, all right? That's bad, all right? Nowadays, you got to make a 26, a 27 to go to any kind of college at all. I I understand what it's like to have a view of myself as, hey, there's just no way God can use me, all right? Let me let let you guys in on a little bit of Cajun secret here, all right? Uh, Let me tell you guys a Boudreaux joke. All right, a Boudreaux is a common last name for people from Louisiana. All right, so I tell Cajun jokes at my church because I make fun of myself. That way I can't offend anybody. All right, so so Boudreaux is a common last name for somebody from Louisiana. Boudreaux's at work one day, and every day at lunch, he takes a, you know, he has a little small bag of chips, and he puts them in his pocket, and he eats his lunch, and and he saves those because he wants to eat the chips last. Well, Boudreaux has a friend named Thibodeau who works at the same place, and every day Thibodeau comes by and slaps at potato chips and crunches every one of them and, and it makes Boudreaux really mad so he has this idea and he puts some dynamite on his chest and 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 he he's going to work and somebody says Boudreaux man what are you doing he said and every day I go to work man Thibodeau he slaps my chips and he crushes them all he said today I got dynamite on my hand when he slaps me I'm gonna blow his hand off come on I don't care who you are that's funny right there The thing about that is that probably really did happen, right? Thank you, Bones. I appreciate it, man. All right, so Louisiana, right? So, you know, if God can use me, he can use anybody. God's blessed Bayside. God called me to start that church. And, uh, and, and sometimes I look at myself and I go, there's no way, God. But let me show you what the word of God says about you. You are a chosen generation. You are his special people that, he, uh, that you may, may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Special people. God, you're special. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you do special. (laughs) Don't say it with attitude like they ain't nothing, you know what I mean? Like they rode the short bus or something like that. That's not what I mean by special, right? Come on, you are special. God sees you as somebody of great value, all right? So we oftentimes think that our calling is void because we have the wrong view of ourselves. Another reason is we have the wrong view of God. One of my favorite verses is in your notes. We're going to talk about this for a minute. We have the wrong view of God, but let me give you a picture of who God really is. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, it says, Now to him, this is God, he is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church. Everybody say, that's me. Come on, everybody say, that's me. You're the church, it's not this school, it's not a particular building, it's not a few select people that serve or lead the church. You are his church. To him be the glory in you and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And everybody said amen. Amen. God wants to do amazing, immeasurably more things in your life. And God wants you to, to realize that he's calling you to do immeasurably more greater things than you've already done listen if you can pull off the things that you're believing god for by yourself then it ain't god he wants you to stretch for things and to step out and to accomplish things for for him and in your life that can only be done if god helped you if you can pull it off without him guys you don't really need god so what's the point in going for it i think you ought to stretch yourself and you ought to go after things that you could only do with God. Now, here's what I love about this verse. Circle that word, amen, in your notes. Now, we think amen is just a word we use at the end of our prayer, right? That, that's kind of the signal that prayer is over, right? Right? You stand at your dinner table and you pray, you know, God is great, God is good, let us thank you for this food. Amen, amen right? You, you think that the amen, that lets everybody know, okay, you can open your eyes, we're done praying, right? That's, that's the signal for the end, right? Isn't that what amen is? That's actually not true. That's not what that word means, like in the prayer. It's actually in the Greek, that word means, I believe what I just said. It actually is giving validity to the very thing that I just talked to God about. God, thank you so much for my family and for this food and God and all the blessings that you have in my life, whatever it is you're praying. And when you say amen, you're making a declaration to God, you are going to accomplish all that. I believe. What I just prayed. That's what amen is. It's not like the signal that prayer is over. You are making a declaration that I believe what I just prayed. Then let me read this verse again. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And everyone said... You are declaring, God, you can do immeasurably more in my life. For your glory, God, because you've called me to do greater things. And so here's what I want you to understand. How do we accomplish that? How do we do the immeasurably more? If God, that really is the view that he has for us. How do I accomplish those things? Well, in the Bible, which you and I read, we read it in chapters and verses. And the reason why it's like that is so you and I can find things and I can say, Turn to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. But the Bible wasn't always like that. This that we're reading here is actually a letter to a church at Ephesus. All right, so Paul was writing this letter. And there were no chapters and verses. So I believe that chapter 4 is the continuation of what happened in chapter 3. Because it's just a letter, right? So Paul says God is able to do immeasurably more. And amen, I believe that. So if that is the case, then chapter 4 would be a continuation of the thought of chapter 3. So what does chapter 4 say? Look at your next verse. It says, I urge you. Everybody circle that word, please, in your notes. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. God has called you to accomplish great things in your life. So, if that is the case, and God's view is that He is able to, through you, help you do immeasurably more things, then we should live a life worthy of the calling that God has for us. Now, that word urge, it actually means to stretch and to get out of your comfort zone. God really messed with me at the beginning of this year about getting out of my comfort zone. And living a life worthy, stretching for even greater things for him. Which is why I always wear a rubber band. To remind me that God can do immeasurably more in my life than I even thought he could do. And if that is the case, then I need to be stretching and believe in God for even more and greater things. Today, I want you to leave this place today realizing that whatever it is that you're living your life right now, in your marriage in your finances, in your family, in your calling, in the gifts that God is working in your life, that God is calling you to stretch out of that and to do even greater things for him. The life that you're living right now is not all that God has for you. I'm preaching a whole lot better than all you guys are saying amen or whatever. Maybe I don't do that here, but come on. I'm preaching a good word here today, you know what I'm saying? And so God wants you to stretch out of your comfort zone and do something greater for him. He's calling you to do that. And that word urge, it means to to stretch and to do something different. It almost has the picture of a guy who's running a race. And you know when they get to the end of the tape and they stretch out because they want to beat the best time they've ever had before. Or they want to beat the person that they're racing against. See, that's what God is calling us to. Immeasurably more to greater things and if he's calling us to greater things come on coastal you got to be willing to stretch and do something different so God can do greater things in you and through you and that's what he's calling you to do and everybody said amen Amen. all right so then let's go to this verse and I want to take you to a place here the last few minutes of this service that I've really been excited about look at this next verse Jesus says I tell you the truth Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing and he will even do greater things than these, greater things. That word greater is the Greek word megas, which is where we get mega from, right? Greater things. See, God is calling you to, right now God is calling you to greater things. God's never made a butt call, by the way, all right? He's never called the wrong person. It's like, you feel like, oh, yeah, God, you want to do greater things than me, and you go, well, maybe that wasn't for me. God's never got his signals crossed, right? He's never called the wrong person. It's like, you feel like God's doing that for you, and he's like, no, I meant it for the person right there beside you, for you. No, no, ma'am, it's not for you. It's for him, right? God's never done that before, right? God is calling you to greater things. Now, the last few minutes of this service, I want to set you guys up for, for stretching to accomplish greater things for God. I want to teach you a principle that will help you believe and live and accomplish greater things for God. And this is going to be something that's going to help you, not just in the service here, but I pray that you leave here today forever changed in Jesus' name to do greater things for him. Amen? All right, so uh, look in your notes. Let me give you this, this thought about greater things. If, if you have your Bibles with you and you want to... To turn to Joshua chapter 6, we're going to study something there once again as we close out the service. It's still in your notes. Okay, faith opens the door to greater things. If God is going to call you to greater things, then you must have faith knowing that God has called you to do greater things. Okay, let me set this up for you. All right, so we're going to study Joshua chapter 6. Let me give you guys context for what we're going to be talking about. In Joshua chapter 6, the Israelites are about to cross over the Jordan River and they're going to go into the area called the Promised Land. Now, the Promised Land that they're going to live in is the same area. And Joshua is now leading the nation of Israel. It's the same area that Moses was at in Numbers chapter 3. You guys saw the movie Charleston Heston, right? And he he takes the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, and he brings them right up to uh, where he's going to take them into the Promised Land. And they get to the Jordan River and Moses sends, in Numbers chapter 3, he sends spies to go check out the land and come give me a report on what the land is like. Now the 12 spies, remember they came back and they said, man, those people over there are huge. They could squash us like a grasshopper. Man, we're just like little ants in their sight. There's no way we're going to accomplish this. This was in Numbers chapter 3. God tells them in Numbers chapter 3, don't worry about it. I'm on your side. You can do greater things with me. You go. But they didn't have faith for that. And as a result of that, they wandered around in the desert for 40 years. All of them died. Never lived the greater things that God had called them to. Now here we are in Joshua chapter 6. They're at the Jordan River. They're about to go over and to live in the promised land, just like when Moses was their leader. All right? But take a look at this verse. It says, the gates of Jericho were shut or tightly shut. Now, this is the same city that we had in Numbers chapter 3. The city was shut up. It was, it was big. The people were big. The wall was high. The wall was wide. It was almost impossible, it seemed like, that they were actually going to live in the land that God had called them to live in. And once again, God is telling them, you know what? You're going to do even greater things. You are going to possess this land. But something was different this time. Something about their faith this time was different than before. I want you to know, just like with the Israelites, faith is the secret to you accomplishing greater things in life. If you don't have faith that God can do immeasurably more, then your life is going to stay where it is forever. But if you have faith and you're willing to step out of your comfort zone and stretch for greater things, then God will accomplish greater things in your life. All right? So faith is the secret, right? The second point here, the the second to last point is that faith is actually grown in God's presence. All right, faith is the secret, right? It opens the doors for you to do greater things. And faith is grown. How do you get your faith to a place where you can believe God for greater things? Faith is grown in God's presence. So what happened in Joshua? Look at these next couple of verses. So here's the word. It says, God says, you and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priest blowing the horns. When you hear the priest give one long blast of the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people will charge straight into the town all right listen God is basically telling them the same thing now that he was telling them in Numbers chapter 3 but this time he puts it in a different context he's like listen it's one thing to believe that God can do greater things but it actually takes faith to walk it out so what did God do different this time this time he put it in the context of worship notice he says All right, you're going to take the ram's horns, horns, and you're going to go out and you're going to blow. In other words, this was kind of the worship team, right, going ahead of the march because faith is grown in God's presence. So He wanted to create this attitude and this atmosphere of worship so that their faith could grow and they could believe God for greater things. Now, how many of you want to be a part of that worship team, right? (laughs) Because they're about to march right in there and they're getting ready to get lit up, right, by, by the by by the people in the city of Jericho. And the worship team is the head of all of them. But something happens this time that didn't happen before. He told the people the same exact thing that he told them in Numbers chapter 3. Except this time he said, I want you to put the worshipers in the front. Now let's look in verse 8. So after Joshua spoke to the people, he told them, here's what we're going to do. The seven priests with the ram's horns started marching, look at this, in the presence of the Lord. That's the difference this time versus last time. And they were blowing their horns as they marched and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Here's what you have to understand. Worship always changes things. It takes what is normal and it creates this atmosphere for you to believe God for greater things. Franklin, would you come on up here with me? I'm gonna demonstrate this for you guys here for the next couple of minutes, all right? So I want you guys to take notice with me. Everybody look look up here for a second at me. Notice the atmosphere and the tone that's in this room. It's it's a little dead. It's just kind of, it's just sitting here, right? Franklin, play a little something for us, would you? Do you notice the change? in the atmosphere, how it's just different. When there's, when there's worship, when there's this music playing, just the whole tone of this whole room changed, right? And, and, and it's different. When you and I are believing God for greater things, if we just kind of do it in, our, in and of ourselves, it probably won't happen. But if we do it in the context of worship in God's presence, it changes the atmosphere. All right, Franklin, stop for a second. All right? So this is probably what it is, you know, like in your home. The secret is you've got to learn how to be a worshiper of God, not just here, but all the time. Okay, so see, the Israelites are standing there about to move forward into accomplishing and living in God's promised area, his promised land that he promised he'd give them, the calling that he had for them, all right? And, and so Joshua could have told them, hey, guys, don't worry about the problems. You know, turn your eyes on Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world, come on, it just kind of fades away in the light of his glory and grace. I mean, I could even say that, and it has one particular attitude to it. It's not really that powerful just now, right? But let's put it in the context of worship. Go ahead, Franklin. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things this earth will grow strange leading in the light of his glory. of y'all know it's a lot better. Wasn't, Wasn't that a lot better, right? All of a sudden, the atmosphere changed. It wasn't the words. It wasn't what was said, same exact thing, but it was put in the context of worship. See, you guys have to learn how to be in God's presence outside of this place. I got some bad news for you. Franklin is not going home with you going with me so you have to learn how to do this outside of this place I know how it works because it happens to me too I come to church I'm in this attitude of worship and I'm like oh man God you are awesome and I walk out of here and I'm going to eat dinner and somebody cuts me off and I get mad I start you know Christian cussing or whatever right I I leave it leaves already I wake up tomorrow morning you know and kind of go right you and I have to learn how to cultivate God's presence when we're outside of this place because you are never going to accomplish greater things unless you have faith and faith is grown in God's presence and if you guys will understand that you can have this anywhere you go and everywhere you go Put on the worship CD. Put on the worship music. Hey, first thing in the morning, don't turn on the TV and see what CNN has to say. It won't paint a great picture for what's going to happen today. But God's presence will. So put on the worship music. You're having a bad day. You're on your way to work. You're like, man, I just don't know. And you get in God's presence like this, and it'll change your faith. And you will be able to believe God for greater things. Can I just tell you, God is trying to call you today to do greater things. But you're going to have to stretch. You got to do something different. You keep living life the way you've been living it, your faith is going to produce the same things it's been producing. But if you want something different, you're going to have to stretch. Start learning how to create this attitude and atmosphere of worship. I want to leave you with this final thought. That faith is shown in your faithfulness. A lot of times we go, Well, I, just, I don't feel God moving. I don't feel like God cares. Who cares about your feelings? Faith has nothing to do with how you feel. Faith is not, oh I, oh, I feel God. Now, there's no doubt it feels better when worship is happening. So it's important to cultivate your faith through worship. But whether you feel it or not, who cares? Faith is shown in your faithfulness. And it's your faith that you accomplish greater things for God. So leave this place knowing that's what God has called you to. And let your faith be shown in your faithfulness just continuing until the answer comes. See, we read this story. Go to the last verse in your notes for just a second. It's in Joshua 6.20. It said, so when the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loudly as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and they captured it. Now, we read this story and we know what happens in verse 20. They didn't know what happens in verse 20. There was no verse 20 written yet. They were right in the situation that you're in today. God, are the walls really going to collapse? Am I really going to be able to move forward? Am I really going to be able to accomplish that? That's where they were. And for seven days, they marched around that city, not knowing verse 20 was coming. Their faith was shown in their faithfulness. The number seven in the Bible, oftentimes numerology, people, lit, lit, theologians believe that numbers represent certain things in the Bible. It's numerology, it's this theology of that. And, uh, and, and they say that number seven represents completion. I would say to you and I that we need to just keep cultivating our faith and believe in God for greater things until the completion of it comes. Come on, keep marching. Keep worshiping. Keep trusting God until you see the answer come. And the best way to do that is to learn how to create God's presence and his atmosphere of worship outside of this place. Yes, you need to come here and be a faithful and a part of this church, but you need to learn how to do it even outside this church. Would you do me a favor? Everybody stand up for just a moment. I want to pray, and then Franklin's going to lead us in this song of worship. If you feel comfortable in here, would you do me a favor? As a sign of surrendering to God for greater things, would you lift your hands up to the Lord? If you don't feel comfortable, I get it. That's okay. At least turn your heart to the Lord. Close your eyes. God, I thank you for this service today. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for the faith that you are imparting into us to do greater things for you. God, every person here has received a calling, an invitation for something in our lives. It may seem dead. The problems may seem insurmountable. But God, today we're making a decision to walk forward, to march in your presence and believe you for greater things. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv.